Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Apollo Audio Podcast. Welcome to the next episode of the um, Apollo Audio Podcast or welcome to the new episode or welcome to the current episode or welcome to this episode. This episode sounds good. Welcome to this episode of the Apollo Audio Podcast. I listen to a podcast that always starts with welcome to the next episode and like, but the next one is <laughs> the one after this yeah, one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I don't understand your language. What are you talking about? Anyway, welcome everybody to uh, this episode of the Apollo Audio Podcast where for the sake of having something to talk about, we talk about the albums that are on the Rolling Stone best 500 albums of all time. Debatable, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the joy of it, isn't it? Who decided and where they Who the right, hell decided this? Uh, maybe one of these. But I, but our opportunity to, I guess the thing I've been thinking is there are a lot of albums on this list I've never heard. There's some artists I've never heard anything by. So it's just creating an opportunity to listen to those. Whether they're the best ones or not, it's still a kind of a, oh, I've never heard that before. Somebody says it's good. So at least I get a chance to listen to it. Uh, so that's been the part of the experience, I guess. Part of the fun. I don't know. This week's uh, albums were uh, The Great 28 by Chuck Berry and Aftermath by the Rolling Stones, which I think even when we kind of decided them, we were like, what? Mm. Okay. <laughs> so um, how are you boys anyway? Welcome, Billy. Welcome. Welcome, Miles. Hi, Miles. My, my partners in crime, I should have said that before, partners yeah. in crime on the Apollo Audio uh, podcast. Um, have you been? Good. Actually worse after listening to these albums. That was <laughs> okay. all right. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this, is, this has made me hate music or something. Uh, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit of a, a slightly different... I think in previous weeks we've kind of been excited about one or yeah. other. I think this week it was kind of a, I don't know, was there any excitement? Any oh, kind of oh, thought process it was, I oh, I really want to listen to these? I didn't find it painful. I just found it forgettable. What was your initial experience? It was like, oh yeah, we've got I Chuck Berry and the Rolling Stones. Were you like, oh good? Or were you like, Because I've never really sat down and listened to the Rolling Stones. I thought, yeah, this will be, it's my time. Yeah. Chuck Berry, I thought, mm, that rockabilly sort of stuff, I'm not really interested in. But mm. yeah, I was excited listening to the Stones. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was. I mean, I was, I, I, I was fairly similar. I've seen the Stones live and really enjoyed them. And it's oh, wow. so you're so you're so used to because of my, my age. I'm so used to kind of Mick Jagger from sort of this era and previous yeah. songs. Yeah. So actually hearing quite a pure voice yeah, yeah. Uh, was was fairly interesting. And Chuck Berry, I didn't know much about, but I know that guitar people mm. and songwriters. Yep. Um, you know, herald him as like a pioneer. So, so you were sort of interested, intrigued, yeah. without necessarily being excited. Yeah, because the genre I would yeah. say either genre is not no. one that is my go-to. But um, yeah. just from being a music fan, yeah, I suppose I intrigue. Yeah, I have a a, a a not very loving relationship with the Rolling Stones. Like I've kind of just love the Beatles. Love the Beatles, but also, I mean, I don't mind Stones songs, but I've never kind of thought, I don't really get why people love the Rolling Stones to the same extent that I sort of understand why people love the Beatles. (laughs) Whatever. And then the Chuck Berry thing was like, oh, I think I might like this because, you know, I sort of know some songs and you kind of get the fun of it. But anyway, that was my sort of thought process. This might be all right, but I'm not excited. And then... I had the actual experience. So, where, <laughs> which, you, my life, which, one, back. <laughs> which one would you like to start with? Can we get Chuck Berry out of the way? Get Chuck Berry out of the way is always a good idea, I think. So, Chick, 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 
Chickberry, his brother, <laughs> uh, the less famous Berry brother. This was the Great Twenty Eight, which is number fifty-one um, on the Rolling Stone list of five hundred. Fifty-one, albums. number fifty-one. How? It just about makes the top fifty. And even immediately when we were looking at this, it's like, okay, this is basically a greatest hits collection. That shouldn't be allowed in the first place. A singles collection. My thoughts exactly. Why have you got a singles collection? If you've got a singles collection, why not have anybody's singles collection? Um, Anyway, that's what it is, The Great 28. I think I'm right in saying it was all recordings that he made for Chess Records between 1955 and 1965. Um, So a good sort of 10-year period of these songs. So is there a reason why it was great? Is were albums different back then? Do they release more like singles or like albums? I think I'm right. In, as as a general thing, the idea of a sort of an album as a collection of songs that weren't singles, and I'm not going to like credit them with all of this, but that sort of Beatles era again, when you got into the sort of Sgt Pepper in yeah. particular, which was a like a, oh this is designed as a thing that actually exists as an album yeah. rather than anything that would exist off of it. It was yeah. kind of a deliberate. Thing so yeah, largely albums were up up until that point. I think I read this somewhere over the week because I was looking at it actually. That the idea within the music business, it was that albums were sort of second class. Singles were the important thing, yeah. and albums were kind of a byproduct of singles. Whereas you get into the late sixties, seventies, and that's when oh, it became yeah, like, yeah. oh no, albums are important. If you're a proper music lover, you get into the albums, <laughs> and the singles are for pop fans. And Is all that, that potentially why then? Yeah, I mean, I think it's potentially why it's a it's a bunch of singles because he was, was say, it, the, uh, releasing an album. If this was an album, well, yeah. the the track listing order would be awful because tracks one through four or five are the same. And I don't are they, are they on date order on this album? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But oh, I don't know. Much overwhelming film when listening to this is he just stole a living somehow, and <laughs> he's used <laughs> the same formula over and over again dunk, dunk. it starts with a guitar solo all he does is just change the lyrics I think it's the same melody same structure yeah. and I just thought I'm so glad I was born in the 90s and the 40s where this was just like the main sort of music yeah I just, I just get... really, only a little bit purely because I think when listening to it I could hear a lot of the 60s bands that ca- that came Beatles oh yeah definitely yeah. they I, used some of his lyrics as well didn't they yeah I, I could yeah. hear that so, and, and arguably actually Maybe Martin, you can help me if you've done slightly more re- research of the context. I'm just older, Miles. That's, yeah. that's, why, that's why I know. Just on the Not that I was around in the fifties, <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah. from so. what I think, and I could be wrong, uh, Chuck was the first to start this sort of like, however you would define this sort of guitar-y sort of genre, which then all these sixties bands would then go to be influenced by. Yeah. Um, so for that, I think. Perhaps as a, as a sort of body of work, maybe it's not the most impressive. But in terms of what he did for like guitar music and the, and oh yeah, as a guitarist, way, I think, yeah, I yeah. think maybe that's why he's been given a nod at fifty one and said, you know, it, it, it was massive for that industry because you can, you must admit, you some of those you can hear like you can hear like Lennon McCartney stuff in a lot yeah, of that. Totally, like, yeah, you know, yeah. And um, I'm sure if we typed into Google now. Into previous interviews of Lennon and McCartney, they'd, they'd probably use him as an influence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So such a lack of diversity on that album, though. And the ones that were stripped it's back, a lot, yeah. of Beatles, like a lot of early Beatles albums. Oh, no, but not the same. Not so much. Not it's to the, like same, the same cause and same. It's just so predictable for me. It's a very much more than anything else we've listened to so far. And maybe we'll come up against. Maybe we'll come up against other things like this. But it very much felt to me like, haven't I heard this one before? 
literally the drums it and bass sound the exactly yeah. the same as one that was on earlier. I think it's a it's a driving <laughs> album through those massive stretches of land in the USA and yeah. you can sort of well, see why it sort of fits. To come, I mean, a, a, a how many of the songs are about cars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. He's got a bit of a mad life, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it's prison and, and, and you know, drugs and women, young in girls. And out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To come back to the point you made, this is basically the birth of rock and roll, right? Yeah. And that's, I think that's what's very hard to, like, listen to it now in what is 60, 70 years later almost, to kind of understand what it was like to hear it in 1955 versus hearing it now. Because it sounds ancient mm. and it does sound repetitive and all that kind of stuff. And I think maybe... 1955 to 1960 or whatever, you're not here. There's nothing else like it. So you want more of that stuff, even if it's the same, you want more yeah. of it sort of thing. But that's what I think. Oh, I think he found that formula. Like, this sounds different. This sounds good. And he's just used it again. And yeah. again, he's found that winning like, formula to use. And, and we've obviously got the, the, uh, the disadvantage, I suppose, of like, okay, we've, th these 28 songs have been put together as a package. Mm. So we're hearing those 28 songs over a period of an hour whereas very long hour that's a 10 year period yeah. of tracks right if you hear those tracks over 10 years do you notice mm. all of the similarities that's what I'm saying if all of the familiarity or of the uh, that's just the same as the one if before if the track listing was different on the album if they interspersed it wouldn't have been so noticeable but literally oh. like the first four or five tracks are the same mm. and you can't take out Johnny B. Good is obviously like a classic and it's a tune and um, you know that one's a little bit different as well I was going to say do you not think ones. when that comes on you go oh yeah this is the good one yeah Definitely. <laughs> is that the familiarity thing though that we've talked about before? Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's a better track than the rest of it. I think mm. I think I'd, I'd want to kind of give credit for kind of going. I think not just the familiarity, but also the like like say the credit of going. No, it's better. Mm. It's not just familiar. If you, put, if, if you could, yeah. but also it's better. Yeah. If you could grade music on various different parts, it would be it would be graded the highest, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's sort of trans transformational, and there's no surprise that it's one of the most covered. Yeah, you know, nobody's covering all those songs on that album, but Johnny Be Good is endlessly covered, right? Because mm. it's that's the one you want to play. I think the I think because it's got fun yeah. about it, not just not just kind of a chugging guitar line, but yeah. actually there's something about it. There's there's something else about it. It definitely transports you to a place as well, which you know. You've, I think for any music, it's got you've got to have a bit of credit to that. There's nothing worse than sort of completely yeah. bland music. But when you listen to this, maybe just the fact that it's so sort of sounds so old school now, but it definitely like takes you to, you know, when I was listening to it, it took me to a place. Do you know what I mean by that? You like Greece, don't you? That sort of <laughs> style. Like. Well, you just like I could just like I could. It just wasn't. It, it's weird because I'm kind of saying it wasn't bland when you're saying it kind of was bland, but it was. That, I think it poses the same question that we've had a few times with on this podcast, and it's whether when you nail something in terms of an artist and, and it's well received, and then you're in a position where you're like, right, let's put together an album. I think the the same question comes up: is like, right, do we like stick on that formula that that, that we've seen success, or do we move around a bit? Because you've seen artists and bands do different things. Mm and have different results right some bands Beatles are good they they really moved from like from early albums then you look at like Sgt Peppers and stuff and yeah. it was really different worked for them you look at other bands they've tried to do that and they lose their initial fan base that they had with their Although, first sound potentially so. maybe I would argue and it's obviously a shorter period of time but if you put together the first 28 songs of the Beatles mm -hmm. would they all sound different do you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of Beatles songs that yeah, all sound the same. So if we compare well. it to another greatest hits, though, that would be different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, 
oh, especially in t- 10 years, quite a long time. We were saying the other day, Beatles released all their stuff from like 60s, 70s, didn't they? Yeah. In that time period. And it's yeah. so diverse. It's a 10 year album and it's mostly the same. So you're saying you would you like with these? I, I would. Like a bit of difference I, I would have. I would have enjoyed it if every song I wasn't that, so similar. I and there was a few different that. tracks when it when it dropped down. The structures were different. Again, rockabilly is not my sort of cup of tea anyway. But I could appreciate it a little bit more if he. But when you're but when, so for example, just a quick thing when, when you've got when your favorite band right when you know that they're dropping another album yeah. are you like oh I hope I'm, I'm I hope it's gonna be similar to the one I love or, yeah. or are you looking for a bit of movement in the music I suppose like when we said about Kanye like he he moved from it and then we wasn't the biggest fan from it yeah he's trying something different there's still so you buy that stuff. yeah yeah it's mm. interesting yeah um, yeah you never it's you never know I think it's a, it's a really good point because I hadn't really thought of what you said it's it is sort of pre album era yeah. so it's it's kind of there isn't a Chuck Berry album. Mm. It made me think, is the reason that this is on there is because what they've really tried to compile to a degree, or maybe they should be more honest about this, is what we want is the top 500 artists of all time. Yeah. Oh, it's so what we've said is the top 500 albums of all time. And if we do the top 500 albums of time, how do we get Chuck Berry on it? Mm. And this is the only way we can get Chuck yeah. Berry well, that's on it. it. He, he's there for being a pioneer for rock and roll music, really. One of the I first think so. Do. But then what worries me in terms of the overall context of the list is, okay, fair enough. Why number 51? <laughs> that's mm. like, just for something like this, it seems very high. And I think, I, I take your point, Miles, that is it there because of how influential it is rather than how good it is? Like a body of work, yeah. Or just representative yeah. of, a, of an era and who was inspired by it and influenced it. Yeah. Like I said, Beatles, their, the start of their career, how do they get up on stage? They said, we, we're going to play some Chuck Berry songs, right? Because if we get up on stage and play Chuck Berry, the audience is going to love it. We can play it. We, we set our stall out by doing that. Stones did the same as well. You know, that's their starting point. That's we, we was that what they did? did. Chuck Berry is the guy who's making bands like the Beatles want to exist. Mm. That's where it for yeah. me, that's I think that's the sort of the influence. And that's it's why like, it's there, I want to yeah. be doing that. Yeah. And that's where it started. There's so much on this that I would kind of go so forgettable. And like I say, I think it's interesting. If you take individual songs out of this and just play me one. I'd be happy listening to twenty eight in a row is exactly. Yes, I think like he's just changing but individual it, like songs. Lyrics. You recognise individual songs as absolute classics, like maybe not so much Maybelline's first one, but like Roll Over Beethoven, maybe Rock and Roll Music, mm. uh, Johnny B. Goods. <laughs> you know, all all of these are like, um, oh yeah, I get that. Mm. No particular place to go. Although it's interesting that there's an earlier song that's basically the same one with different lyrics mm. yeah. <laughs> stuck earlier on. But I did like track, like, I think I Want to Be Your Driver, which is the last track on this um, collection. I found <laughs> I sort of really liked that one. Although I was also with a lot of these songs as well. Oh, he's writing about cars. He's not writing about cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like writing about cars in order to cover up that he's not writing yeah. about cars yeah. at all. What are you writing about? Well, we'll leave that to your imagination. <laughs> um, did anyone get a bit uncomfortable with some of the lyrical content on this if from a, again from a modern context i think i was just so pissed off by the music that actually overshadowed it for me didn't even zone yeah in. i didn't actually pick up on pick up on that either just that there's there's so much about um you know sweet little 16 and she kind mm. of been a day over 17 and oh, all that bit and i kind yeah, of think that is a bit yeah you know just it feels a bit odd at this time you know re- listening to stuff in 2021 obviously from a different context and then you think well how old was he was he 20 when he was writing those nope he was 30 okay mm. this is 
But the, his audience was that age. That's the kind of the point. So yeah, I feel a bit weird kind of listening to a 30-year-old guy talking about teenage love. But it was absolutely pitched at a teenage audience. It was all the teenagers who were listening uh, to these Beatles songs. And Beatles did that on some songs as well. Well, she was just 17 is like the first line of Sour Sand in there, isn't it? Yeah. It's all Chuck Berry's fault. It's an undercover. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, and not to excuse that to the extent to any particular extent, except to say that Paul McCartney wrote that when he was 18 or 19, I think. Mm. So it feels, it's not, it isn't different, and yet it is different. Mm. Um, but yeah, and, and like I say, it was, it was the, the time was different and all that kind of stuff. But there was some stuff I was like, God, he doesn't have bang on about how young these girls are. <laughs> but, mm, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Mm. There's some, some tracks, there was a couple that did surprise me because they, they did change tack and did kind of slow down and went, oh, this isn't the same format. Yes, ones I didn't mind. I feel yeah. like, and I wondered whether I didn't mind them be, just because it was a relief. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> or whether it was just like something else. Well, like again, imagine he is almost. Well, actually, no, because I suppose you've got to. Put, uh, so, what years? Were, what, what what years was Elvis most active? Sort of similar period, I suppose. So I'm going to say like he kind of. Invented, not invented rock and roll, but he was especially the guitar side. Do you know what I mean? So I think, I mean, I think it's fair to say. I think you'd find that a lot of artists around the sort of uh, '60s, particularly through the sort of early '70s, would say, "Yeah, Chuck Berry, he was the guy who invented rock and roll." Yeah, so they would literally say that. We talk about these songs being um, similar, but it's like a brand, almost a brand new genre. So um, let's say if you're listening to a new one every six months, yeah. Rather than a new one every three minutes, yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't, yeah, you don't have the same experience. It's like if you're like a metal band and you're oh, doing yeah, the same yeah. metal song yeah. every time, everyone's like, "Well, yeah, well, we know about metal." But you know, if you were the first ever metal band to produce, like, start making metal music, yeah. you're going to just do loads of that, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. So I think he, I think he could be excused a bit. My, like, my whole conclusion on it because we always nicely comes back to this where we always the old dinner party. Yeah, and no, you wouldn't put this on. But if you're on a road trip in America and someone goes, should we put some Chuck Berry on? We've got 19 hours Absolutely to go. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, put, maybe put a couple on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for me, I'd be like, let's have a yeah, chat. Set have, the it mood, on, yeah. have it on in the background while some drive. Oh, is this the same song again? Yeah. No, no, yeah. I mean, I do understand what you mean. And I, I was trying to it's think about, is, it, is there a... To a degree, so, you know, we talked about the Toots and the Maytals yes. um, albums. Kind of, you, you get that on in a shop in Camden or something like that, and you know that's what you've got, mm. and you've got what's going on in the background, and it feels appropriate. And I sort of feel for the right kind of shop, yeah, you kind of put a ch- you put Chuck Berry's Definitely. greatest hits on or hits of that era. Yeah, they're all going to sound the same, but you're you're basically invoking something mm-hmm. and that's how you would do it just on that just as a little side point um because i'm going to ask you to the same question out of all these albums we reviewed when i haven't needed to re- research the next one there's only one album when i've been listening wanting to listen to something i've actually gone back to because i'm like oh, i fancy listening to that again yeah. toots of the Mets house yeah i was like i want to listen to some more yeah. i want to listen with some more toots. Yeah. what about you boys any that you've been when you haven't needed to any of you've gone back to lauren hill oh did you yeah, yeah. back to lauren hill nice martin uh no has there not so far it's interesting isn't it? i've gone back and listened to a bit more i don't think so i did listen oh, i'm thinking about outside the context i did go back and listen to lauren hill again but that was oh well, after, I wanted, after we were no, I, no that's what i'm saying i did go back and listen to it but i went back and listened to it because i wanted to have listened to it again oh, before yes, we came and yes, spoke yes, about you it said that, yeah. and i haven't gone back and listened to it again since i'm trying to think what else what else we've covered and whether nine inch nails i have as well 
Nine Inch Nails. I mean, I'm so familiar with that. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't. Go well, back either, to it Taylor Swift, Kanye. Oh, Taylor Swift dive as well. What well, you went back to? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting though. It shows which. Well, I went back to Taylor Swift and listened to because the new release version yeah, of it yeah. came out. I went and listened to that. Because I must admit, when we review these albums, there's definitely an element of like, oh, that'd be quite a nice thing, talking point, mm-hmm. rather than actually like, you know, let's put this on to enjoy it. So it's interesting to see which ones have, even though I've been thinking through those lenses, it's been like which ones have actually made an impression yeah. of that I've wanted to go back and be like, oh, I'll tell you what I was inspired back. to do uh, was, um, I may have mentioned it to you guys, there's a documentary series on Apple TV called 1971. You said and that, that was... Partly, I thought I want to look at that because of the discussion that we had about Marvin Gaye ah, yeah. and that period and the What's Going On album, and that's very much part of that sort oh, of nice. time period. Um, so I did that because of that. So I've been listening to sort of uh, songs of that era a bit mm. more, and I know a lot of those are going to come up on this list because yeah. there's a lot of classic albums that came around about that period, bizarrely, which is why there's a, partly why there's that series exists. It's because it's like, was this the best year ever in music sort of thing. Um, I feel like I want to kind of say, Lauren Hill's the one that's kind of magnetised a little bit. It's kind of, I feel like I should go back and listen to it again. Because I think, I feel that if I went, I'd get more from it every time I listen to it. That's my feeling right now. Yeah. It's, that the, may it's the highest ra- ranked one so far as well. Yeah. Oh no, it's not. We did number I one. I do feel like you were walking one. through Hartford though and you walked into a pub and they were like blaring out toots of the Maytals, you'd both smile and have yeah. a beer. No, that's the thing like, it's definitely like the happiest one. And what would be interesting is now I'd be able to go, oh, it's toots of the Maytals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't have been able to do that before. The pressure drop. Oh, pressure drop. I know this. But if Chuck Berry's playing, would you walk? Walk out. Is there any chance you could change the record? I've listened to this way too much. And I was marginally disappointed as well that what um in fact the guy that wrote the book which is called 1971 that the tv series is based on he says that the best rock and roll record of all time is by chuck berry which one is it uh you never can tell and it's not on this album uh, <laughs> I, was like, I missed that one no it's not on the album ah. it's a, it's the one that have you seen pop fiction yeah, yeah of course so the dance sequence oh. with uh, uma oh. thurman and john travolta it was a teenage when oh, I love that tune. right that's chuck berry that is a tune, to be fair. That is, is that, hang on, I thought this was the 20 best singles. But was that after... No, and it's was not it after 65 then? I don't know, maybe. I love that or maybe song. not on the same um, same label. That's all such a good song. He, he had a few songs in the 70s as well, because I was telling my mum about what we was doing. Yeah. And he had a really weird song called My Dingling. That's right. And that, that, was was like his, that was his only number one hit. <laughs> that is terrible. Would Johnny be good, not a hit? No, it was a hit. It was his only number one hit. My Dingling was his number one hit. It's such well, a weird song. My what makes a hit a hit though, Martin? You were number one. It was number one. It was his only number one hit. Yeah. It, got, it went to number one in the yeah, charts. Martin just said Johnny B. Good was a hit. I would say, yeah. I mean, it, it was, in, it was in the charts. People people know it. But it didn't get, it, it might have got to number two. I don't know. Yeah. It didn't get to number <laughs> one. <laughs> That's what, is what I mean. Right, yeah. <laughs> My Dingling is, because re- it's a very weird song. My Dingling is a hit. <laughs> mere, very un- unrepresentative of what he was doing. I don't know. Mm. So so maybe he, more representative. It's like he almost became a novelty act by the time you get into the 70s is kind of what we're saying. Because my dingling is just a stupid song. <laughs> it's a terrible song. <laughs> in general, is he like, is he looked back favourably after his actions with sort of younger girls and things, or not really? Uh, I, I think I think it's kind of it, musical it's, success. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not making an assessment. I think in ge- in general, I think it hasn't diminished his reputation as a uh, what's the word 
Rock and roll great. Rock and roll. Uh, yeah, pioneer. rock and roll great. A rock and roll. I'm trying to say, what's the word when you inst- instigate something? Pioneer. pioneer. A rock and roll pioneer. Do you, um, uh, I don't think it's diminished that, but I think it kind of, mm. you know, is it makes it easier for people to maybe remember his earlier career and yeah. go, yeah, wasn't he great in the 50s? Rather, than, Yeah, but what about the 80s? Yeah, maybe not talk about that so what much. What about you and MJ? Oh, it's, the, it's the age-old, the age-old yeah. argument. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. There's there's a couple of arguments to it, isn't there? There's do you detach the? Art from the I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit sort of on the fence here. Yeah. I yeah. don't I don't know. Do you do you, do you detach the art from the from from, from the artist, or should he be held accountable? And should his music be like R. Kelly? I don't mm-hmm. listen to R. Kelly more, and he's yeah. an unbelievable R and B singer. But yeah. um, you know, I don't know. It's a bit of an age-old argument, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. It definitely makes you feel a bit different about it, for sure. Like you listen to that music now, and it's it makes you feel a bit different. I think the difference with R. Kelly was R. Kelly's actually like singing the lyrically. Um, there's some questionable lyrics when you go back and listen. I think MJ, my favorite album, Off the Wall, I think was '78. MJ's like 1920 when that comes out, and so when he's talking about girls and women, it's it's fine. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, and I think, I think I think to a degree you're right. Kind of you can separate the person from the product. Overall, I just thought Chuck Berry on our list. I get it. Chuck yeah. Berry is kind of you know a, a rock and roll pioneer, as we said, and it should be on a list of the most influential artists of all time. Definitely, I think. But this album, as one of the best albums <laughs> of all time, I'm like in top fifty. Like, I, I, even like top 500 I'm like sneak it in if you must yeah. to get something in there because it doesn't work as an album maybe just the bottom line it doesn't work That's as an album saying. Yeah. it's maybe, really maybe. hard to listen to 28 songs one after the and other by he Chuck Berry like, how can you judge against these albums which have like more of a yeah. through line and yeah. a story and things that tie it together yeah. these are just all my singles thrown together Yeah, which arguably might could also work the other way and be better. And it, and it might do. I think there are other sort of singles collections that are on here or greatest hits, there are types of greatest hits that are on this yeah. list as well. But yeah, it just, it just feels to me like a really weird choice, especially when you think of some things that aren't on this list that could be if you took that off mm. as an album. You know, I'm, you know, I know we've got 500 to go through, but I think yeah. I must be able to pick, even if it was only another greatest hits collection by a band. Yeah. That isn't represented otherwise, like, I don't know, the monkeys, for example. You know, Michael Nesmith just died this week yeah. for the monkeys. And there's no representation of the monkeys on this list. How do you know? Because I looked. <laughs> so is, are they on the list? It's a hunch. No. <laughs> yeah, just guessing. But uh, no, I looked. I think, like we said, I think it's a nod to his sort of, yeah, to his legacy, his, his name, his role of, of, of rock and roll. Yeah. And I do like Chuck Berry songs. I just don't want to listen to this album. Ever again. again. I will li- I will still listen to Chuck Berry's songs. You know, that opening riff from Johnny B. Good is still classic. classic. Yeah. And, you know, still will put... I'm, I'm not going to hear that and go, oh, God. I'm going to go, ah! <laughs> cool. But, yeah. What did the uh, magazine say about it? The Rolling Stone magazine about Chuck Berry, The Great 28, said... In the latter half of the 50s, Chuck Berry released a string of singles that defined the sound and spirit of rock and roll. Maybelline, a fast countryish rocker about a race between a Ford and a Cadillac, kicked it all off in 1955, and one classic hit followed another, each powered by Berry's staccato country blues guitar gunfire. Roll over Beethoven, School Day, Rock and Roll Music, Sweet Little Sixteen, Johnny Be Good, Back in the USA. What was Berry's secret? In the maestro's own words, the nature and backbone of my beat is boogie, and the muscle of my music is melodies that are simple. 
This collection calls the best of that magic from 1955 to 1965. And I don't know, maybe I, I feel like sometimes it, you read something like that and you go, oh, am I just a Philistine? <laughs> this is like, you know, I'm not a proper connoisseur that I can't appreciate what he's saying. It's like it's the backbone of Boogie and all that bit. Just rather than, you know, what it sounds like as a collection of 20 years songs is just something it's, that's repeated over and over <laughs> again. Exactly, the, like I said, exactly the same formula. I find it very hard. Any more to say? Just done with it now. The Rolling Stones aftermath. Ah. What number is this one? <laughs> this was fairly low on the list. Somehow one. lower. So, yeah, it wasn't as high as uh, 50 watt, definitely. Um, number 330. Not the lowest ranking Rolling Stones album on the list, but there That's are four one. other Rolling Stones albums that are higher ranked on this list. So there's six. So this is basically... Fifth. The fifth best Rolling Stones album, according to Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> God knows how many albums they've got out, but this is the fifth uh, best one, supposedly. So I'm guessing there's another 20-odd that are worse than this. How far, what number is it in there? Like, not as good as this, I should say. What, what number is it in their catalogue? Studio album by the Rolling Stones, released in uh, April 1966 in the UK and July in um, the United States. Their fourth release in Britain and their sixth release in America. Don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but closely followed a series of international hit singles that had helped bring the Stones wealth and fame, rivaling that of their contemporaries, the Beatles. It's sort of, it's, it's, their, it's their breakthrough album, it's their crossover album, it's the one that kind of cemented them as uh, big stars following sort of hits mm. and made them, into, made them into an album band, I suppose. I was excited when I first heard this one because I thought it starts to paint it black and that's yep. obviously like a classic. But then as it got on, again, I had the same sort of problem with the Chuck Berry one. It's sort of that same like predictable blues sort of stuff. You know what's coming with the, like the jazzy piano on the side mm-hmm. and they all sort of end the same like da da ends on the, that same sort of chord. That's the point I was going to make. The, uh, <laughs> the, 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 it's kind of like... I never thought of that. They all win that and it's just, it's the same, you know what chord's coming next. I agree. And it's, it's with that blues influence, again, it follows the same sort of structure. I did like a few tracks with that, and I did enjoy it a lot more than the Chuck Berry one, but I liked the ones that didn't follow that bluesy structure. And maybe that's just me, not a massive blues fan, and maybe a blues connoisseur would say it's really good, but again, just quite predictable yeah. to my liking. I, it's funny, isn't it? Because we, ha- we always talk about these um, similarities we're getting on all these things, and I think actually... <laughs> The similarity of these two, where you got rock and roll, really, mm. on, on, on with, with, you know, rock and roll star and Chuck Berry, rock and roll band, with uh, the Rolling Stones. And then actually, repetition as well, mm. like, repeating the same hooks and hooks mm. and hooks again. And as you said, the chords are just, mm. nothing ever made you think, it was just such a, it was, it's a, it was an easy listen. Like how yeah. I found that Chuck Berry just like, washed over you and yeah. it made you like, jump. It was just... It, I know, I want, when I listen to music, I want to go like, ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh, that chord that. hits me that way. Like, yeah. The only was... thing I quite enjoyed was the production. I, their use of, thought of you, Martin, their use of panning, I quite enjoyed. <laughs> um, yeah, drums were on the left, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their, their use of panning yeah. I enjoyed. Well, this is er- very yeah. early days of stereo recording. Ah, there you go. It's, the, it's their first album that was um, 
actually mixed in stereo rather than... Ah. Why would you put the drums on the left? I just didn't... Because that's what they did. I just find that a bit odd. <laughs> because it's well, if you left earphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got acoustic album. <laughs> I mean, sort of in principle, you might think a lot of this might have been recorded with everyone in one room, mm. and it's probably on four tracks. So you've got the vocal on one track, you've got the drums on one track, you've got the bass on one track, and the guitars on one track. Four tracks. Yeah, I just did a track in '96. Yeah, well, that's, yeah <laughs> this is 1960s. So you've like if you if you've only got and they, yeah, they, they would actually. maybe record other tracks by doing a bounce down. So you'd record you might record the drums and the guitars onto one track and then you'd bounce them onto two tracks so you've got two tracks three to do the other two things and then you'd record one and then bounce them onto another single track so you've got track three to do that and do you think they like double so guitars? you guys haven't had the experience of having to do all this stuff because no. you've worked in digital do you think, Martin do you think they like doubled guitars and things like that or yeah they would have done but okay. in order to do that they'd record a guitar and then like I said they then record another guitar on another track which leaves them with two tracks free so if you want to have three tracks free you need to bounce those two guitars onto one track and then you've got three tracks to record on and they would keep doing that and when you when you think about that process from the 60s and listen to things like Sergeant Pepper for example and think that that was all recorded on four tracks you kind of think how the hell did they do when did eight track come about late 60s I mean sorry to keep reference to the Beatles but it's the thing I know about was that at one point late on I think it might have been around the White Album or might even have been around sort of Let It Be where they couldn't, they couldn't get an eight-track machine, so they just tied two four-tracks together. <laughs> oh, that was in the documentary, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So they just yeah, tuck, stuck two four-tracks together. And then the big deal was that the Beach Boys were recording on eight-track, so they were like, can we get eight-track, please, because we want to use an eight-track. And there was an eight-track machine at EMI, but they weren't allowed to use it because they hadn't tested it yet. <laughs> it was all kind of stories like that. But yeah, sorry, that's getting a little bit off the subject. Yeah, so why, why would they put... As soon as we brought up panning, what's Someone say production. Oh my God, he's talked about production. But yeah, because it would be like, okay, how, yeah. sort of, we're, we're sort of visualising how would the band be set up and how do we get everything out of the way? So it is a bit odd listening to some, especially stuff that was recorded for mono and then remixed for stereo. That they because it was basically designed as there will only be a mono signal on this, and all the early Beatles albums again. Sorry, to talk about the Beatles, but all the early Beatles albums were mono albums, and then they started producing stereo versions of those. But they just had to take what was designed for mono and make it in stereo. Mm. And one way of doing that would be stick the drums on the left, stick mm. the guitars on the right. So that if one of your cha- it's, it's and it's weird listening to it on headphones particularly. Yeah, no, exactly. Because yeah. then you really notice that because yeah. you'll suddenly go, "Holy fuck!" The drums are all on the mm. left hand side. There's, That's weird. What I was trying to figure out was why is this so noticeable to me? Where current records, you know, current songs use panning, but I don't necessarily go, "Oh, the guitar's really far on the left." Yeah. There's a Chic song that I heard recently. I thought that to be fair. I was like, "Always oh, put one guitar on the left, one right." Other than that, you you can be damn sure that all tracks you listen to, there's a lot of panning going on. But it's more subtle in it. This album, I was like, whoa, that guitar is miles on the right, and the drums are miles on the left. There would be enough. It's, it's a good. I'd, I'd recommend trying this actually, Miles, on some some productions. It's just that that's all you do. Don't put anything anywhere except hard left, hard right, or middle. Right. It's just fun. Yeah, <laughs> listen, to listen to how it goes. Yeah, rather than think, oh, I'll, I'll I'll push it a little bit over, or a little bit over, or I'll have everything kind of in this kind of big sort of spectrum of sound. Just go, no, I'll go left, right, middle. Because my it. thing with panning, though, sorry, we'll come back to the album. But my thing with panning is 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 like you just said, Martin. If you are listening to headphones, it becomes so noticeable panning, right? Yeah. So that kind of puts me off doing hard panning purely because you think. 
you know, some people just lifting with one headphone in. Imagine if you literally yeah. got the whole drums on one headphone. You look like I said, I was joking yeah. earlier, but don't it becomes an acoustic headphone. album. Don't listen on one headphone, you weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can't <laughs> legislate well, how you can listen to it, can you? Yeah. So that's why it's... Well, you, you can legislate how you make it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, made, I made it like that. I say it's, it's worth, I think it's worth a try. And that's, you know, go like I said, go back to those that period. That's yeah. what you're doing. You don't, you don't think yeah. about... I'll put it a little bit left, a little bit right. It's like no, I've got, yeah. I've, I've got, I've got left, right, and middle. That's the and that's the only choices I'm making. I really like the guitar tone on a lot of the tracks as well. Some of the early tracks, um, I thought they had a really nice guitar tone, and it took me to a place trying to imagine them in the studio coming up with that, and I was that was quite interesting. I thought his um, Jag's voice was like I said earlier. It was strange hearing it quite as pure, like yeah. obviously before all the drugs and booze yeah. and um, age age had affected yeah. him because I'm just so used to his voice yeah. sort of now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was quite interesting hearing him as a quite, it was a bit, bit, bit more pure, but it was fair. A lot of the tracks were fairly. The last long was so, last song was so long as well. Away. Talking about Keith, um, Keith Richard guitar, I was expecting a bit more for what such a, such a big name he it's is. Like the tone though. Yeah, I think Thomas nice. sends us some nice bits, but I was expecting for like some like mad solos from like what I've heard about him and stuff like that. And like, is he generally considered a good guitarist, or is he just a bit more of a character? The thing is, he's a. It's funny. I would say suggest just having thought of this off the top of my head right now, that it again, it's probably particularly at this point, maybe more inspiration taken from Chuck Berry again, in that what he's doing is riffs rather than solos. Yeah. So it's all about coming up with just great, great, yeah. chunky riffs. Who would have been the other guitarist in this album? Was it Brian? Brian Jones. It was. When did he pass away? 69, I think. And it's oh. it, Brian Jones, like this point in the Stones, it's, it's weird now because he's sort of drifted into out of memory, I suppose. At this point, Brian Jones was like, it was his band. Rolling Stones is Brian Jones' band. Oh, really? At this point. But then, you know, he then got into drugs and all sorts of he's stuff. He's been mental, And then, isn't and then died. And that's when you move into the sort of, oh, it's, I mean, it was always uh, Jagger, Richards were the sort of writers in the same way that Lennon McCartney were the writers on the songs. But yeah, it was Brian Jones' uh, band and things like you mentioned, I think, the mm. sort of the soundscape, the things like bringing in the marimba or the glockenspiel or whatever Yeah, the glockenspiel, I like that. That sort of sound, that's that's Brian Jones' influence on the, on the, on the tracks. That was one of my favourites, to be fair. Um but yeah, that last track, he Mick Jagger was just like scatting at the way at the end. Of it. We, we were chatting about it the other day. It's like, have they done that one live and just like left it on? Or is <laughs> Mick Jagger like just recorded under my thumb of that? Got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. Under my thumb. Good riff again, but on a different instrument. Yeah, it was that. I really like that sound. Yeah. The Stupid Girl and. Was it Don't You Bother Me? Maybe. The hook, there must have, is that you could do that, you know that drinking game for Roxanne where you drink every time he says Roxanne. Mm. You could do that for that shoot, for, 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 um, for uh, Stupid Girl. Every, had... every sentence he finished again, Stupid Girl. Yeah. I was like, I mean, he would get it, it's a Stupid Girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is it, what I don't like. About the Stones. About, yeah, and, just, I, and maybe that can, like you said about that sort of blues, it, it's so sort of, to me, overly repetitive, same riff, same refrain, same thing, sung over and over again. And I think that's why I've always, and, and I know, and it'll be interesting to see whether I change my mind as we get into the albums that are higher up this list of the Stones. But what I always think about the Stones is good singles, uh, good singles band albums, a bit rubbish. Mm. 
Yeah, and, uh, and I know that I would walk into I would walk, walk into such a huge argument with various people who say you don't know what the hell you're talking about, mate. Yeah, and it's probably true because I haven't listened to any Stones albums. And then get an inkling you're a Beatles fan by yeah. bringing it up. Every, 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 every. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, yeah, that's what they say. Though, don't they? I know, people I mean, say and, and Stones pro- or Beatles. Yeah, it's yeah and I don't think it has to be that. But yeah, I, I kind of get Stones' proper rock and roll band. They've been touring for. I wanted to ask you. You said you'd seen them live. Yeah, I, went to, I saw them a couple of years ago in Twickenham, um, and it was uh, it was really good. Yeah, it was. Um, I think they're a live band. You know, you, I, when I'd be lying if I said I ever really put a Rolling Stones tune on. Like you don't. But and Twickenham, and everyone goes start it up. The whole crowd go mad. You're like. Yeah, this is fun, and Jagger's giving it the walk. Well, did you buy tickets? Did you want to go? Was no, I, I actually, I, I, I went, I, I my, uh, I, I got invited. I didn't have to pay for the ticket. Yeah. Good question. Would yeah. I have paid for yeah. it? Probably not. But it was good to see. I felt like as an artist, I felt like I had to see mm. the Rolling Stone. They're, 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 um, they're legends. My dad was a big fan. Yeah. And yeah, I like Jagger. You know, he's a showman. And they're support, you know, regularly the best live act in the world. The best live even, act. even so, now. Sort so of. you're right, Martin, when you say, are there an album's band? Probably not. Are there many people really sitting down listening to Rolling Stones on, on vinyl? I would argue what they're they are but they're yeah. more excited to go oh my god the Stones are in concert I have to get a ticket. I, I suspect you know. of a particular age group yes and then once you get beyond that no. That, that would be my, I think it's a generational thing. I think there absolutely are people who are listening to Rolling Stones albums over and over again on vinyl. But I think you get to a particular age group where that's no longer the case because yeah. they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested. But I mean, as cultural icons, it's huge. You know, moves like Jagger, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. not that long ago. Their logo still... alone, just on T-shirts. Oh, yeah, now, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they're legends. Like the stories are hilarious. They're, they're great. They're great for the music scene. <laughs> they're, they're, they're proper rock and roll stars, aren't they? I didn't like and... this that much. That's for me, this bottom line. I'm like, mm. okay, fine. Under my thumb, I know that song. I like it. Painted Black, like I said, classic. And I got a, absolutely agree with you Billy get to that last track and it's 11 minutes long and you're going why did no one say no to this how has it kept going what on earth is this doing on an album (laughs) it's like the ones I enjoyed were they strayed away from the blues formula and they were more like rock and roll and like yeah just different when it just follows the same structure like the the boogie woogie piano not really but you like sort of blues. I like the influence rock, of it and like the know, guitar. The yeah, yeah, blues, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. you love John Mayer, don't you? Yeah. Influence of blues, yeah. Eric Clapton. Yeah. I mean, this this album's number 330. I think the highest Stones album on the list is somewhere in the top 20, I think. So there's, there, even in that sense, there's a massive gap in, uh, in the context of list list, a massive gap in terms of perceived quality between this one and what's their best work. Fine. You know, we're like talking like 300 odd places in terms of if you want to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even there's like say six Stones albums, I think, and this is fifth. So there's four other albums that are better than this. My worry is that there's one that's worse than this on this list. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got to listen I, I thought, to that one. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought if you were in the room with Rolling Stones, you started humming one of these tunes, like not one of the hits, would they go, that's one of ours? Exactly. Or would they go, would they, oh, they go, that's a good riff, man. Yeah. We should write that down. Yeah. Or would they like, even forget they've yeah. done it? If, for me, a lot of these songs, I thought, I probably have no idea what, they, what they've done here. Do you know what I mean? Do you reckon this only on there for the singles rather than the actual album? I don't know. I think, I think this, this one may be their 
because it's their sort of First breakthrough studio, yeah, like unwritten. Maybe, but I don't, I don't get. Like I said, it's it. If they only ever had six albums, and this was the fifth one on the list, you go like, all right. But I'm like, God, if this is their fifth best album, and there are a lot of other Stones albums, and it's like. Ooh, mm-hmm. I, that again. I go back to that. Well, I don't really want to listen to the rest. Then, like, I'll, I'll the ones higher up the list. I'll get okay. I'd like to see how good they got as an album's band because that's what I'm being effectively told is that. And I know I think it's Exile on Main Street that's their their you know, their most highly regarded and is and is genuinely in most lists will say this is an all time classic rock album, and you know that's high up the list. So. I'll, look forward to listening to that to see what I think of it and in the hope that I won't listen to it and have the same reaction as I had to this one which yeah. is I don't know why people love the Stones so much because no. I don't get it not on the basis of this maybe on the basis of other albums and a bigger collection of work then maybe and I haven't been exposed to it in the same way as I have had to other artists even mm. even forgetting about their contemporaries like yeah. the you know the Beatles as an example where I've you know in one form or another, I've basically heard their entire catalogue. Yeah. So, yeah, I say I'm looking forward to forming a relationship yeah. with the albums that are supposedly better than this, but I don't, it doesn't, nothing in this makes me think, well, I'll go and listen to the other ones then. Yeah, because I've listened to this a lot. I struggle to picture how they're like the big, like two. But again, I've heard more Beatles stuff. I think, come back to, I think it comes back to the celebrity around their characters yeah. and also their live show. Mm. It is, it is, it is impressive, their live show. It is, it is even, I mean, maybe I underplayed it a little bit, like, for their ages, I saw them sort of, so it would have been two or three years ago, I think back, I yeah. think two. Really impressive, like, like he's going, Jagger was going mad. Yeah. I got a, a friend who used to uh, dine out on this, he would tell the story all the time because he thought it was funny, and I'm going to preface this by saying he was telling the story about 20 years ago when he first started telling the story, yeah. <laughs> about how he skipped off school to go and watch the Rolling Stones on tour, which would have been like, I don't know, early 80s, something like that. So then we skipped off school, thought we were going to get into trouble and because we skipped school to go and watch this gig. And he got caught by his dad and his dad had said, no, fair play, son, you should go and see them. After all, it might be your last chance. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I suppose for as long as, for as, long as he, they can, they'll keep going. Are yeah. they still making albums? Uh, I don't think they made one for a while. Oh, well, they put something... Didn't they put something out? Oh, Mick Jagger put something out last year that was awful. It was some kind of... Who did he do it with? He did a collaboration with Dave Grohl. He oh, did a collaboration yeah. with Dave Grohl during, yeah. um, during lockdown last year, and it was horrific. Oh, but I don't think the Stones have done anything much. As he doesn't a, need to. As a group. And, of course, uh, Charlie Watts died recently, so yeah. the oh, yeah. drummer's no longer drummer. around. So that... Who was great at sort of re- reframes. He stuff. just doesn't look like he's ever enjoyed himself playing drums. No, the most vacant like, drummer out. Yeah, he's vacant. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but no, I think they just sit there and they go, anyone, do you fancy making a few million? Yeah. Should we just go on tour again? And yeah. then literally put it on tour, it sells out in seconds. It does. People love it. They've got, they've got, I'll, I'll go as far as say, and this is a big claim, I was gonna, I'll go as far to say that they probably have one of the biggest diehard fan bases. Yep. Like when you find, it's basically like Martin with the Beatles. When you find, when you find, I'm sure I got that. Or, or there are bigger Beatles fans than me. Oh, Billy yeah. with Oasis. Yeah. When you find really? a Stones fan, boy, you'll know about it. Mm. 
Do you know what I mean? They've got yeah. the T-shirts. They've got the. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know too many, to be fair. I, hey, look, I'm not, I've, yeah, I've me got. Me neither, but but, but they, oh, aren't they? Martin? <laughs> they're they're like somewhere. Oh fans. yeah, no, absolutely. I said that 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 friend of mine, that guy that I knew, that I'm telling you, but that's exactly what. That's yeah. where he's coming from. Is yeah. like the Stones are the, are, you know, they're amazing. They're the band. That's why you want to go and see. That was where he was coming from. Just maybe not this album. album. Mm. I've never listened to a Stones album sort of later than this, and I think you know their high point of their album production was after this. So it's getting into sort of late sixties, early seventies. I think XL Main Street's nineteen seventy one again. I think was it. Um, so you've got that period when they when they're at their creative peak, which you know we're. I'm going to get a chance to, we're going to get a chance to visit that and go, okay, is this why they've had the longevity? Because on the basis of this, I'm still at best on the fence. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's a couple of good tracks on this. There's a Mother's Little Helper, which is not on the US version. It was mm. on the UK version, which I like yeah. as a track as well. And back to production, quite raw production. Like, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, we spoke about that the other week. We talk about bands where, you know, they're, the rawness of their sound comes through yeah. maybe before they start throwing synths and blah, blah, blah at yeah. it. And I like that. I suppose all albums back in the day are quite raw, though. But I felt like you were kind of in the room with the guitar and the drums, you know? It was. Yeah. It felt not overly processed. I suppose it couldn't be overly processed back then. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? It just felt I do. Like and I, I'm always in, like, how they sound. I mean, again, comparing with, say, the uh, the Chuck Berry one, you couldn't say it's badly recorded. No. But it, but it sounds dated in its recording. Yeah. Whereas you start to get into this even less mid sixties period, and you're like, it's pretty damn good, isn't it? It's oh, like, yeah. what's you think what, there'd be what, like? A, what are you going to pick apart in terms of saying, oh, that there's not like noise or you think there'd be like a buzz or, or a fucking noise or something? But it's not. It's just no. like, wow, it's fairly clean. That's actually a really good point. The guys that were making these things really knew what they were doing. They knew how to get the best. Yeah, out of what they but had. I would think that was like those crooners, like you know, the Sinatra tracks you listen to before the remasters have happened, and you're like. This is amazing. The vocals, it's, it's like the band so, in the room thing. I think we've yeah. spoken about this before. The, the Sinatra's right. recording uh, records, him singing in a room with an orchestra. You know, there's not like we'll record this separately. Like Frank, the, the orchestra's done their job. Can you come in and stand in the vocal booth and do his stuff? No, he's standing yeah, in front of I the orchestra it. singing with the orchestra or the big band yeah. or whatever it is. And his vocal is like you know that you, know, you can get on YouTube and listen in isolation. And it's I've done it. Yeah, that's a take. Yeah, it's as good if not. Do you want another one, Frank? No. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, if any, if, if that's a good lesson for all producers out there, maybe. Is there any no. Frank Sinatra albums on the? Uh, yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> something to look forward to. I don't like the big band that swings stuff. Oh, okay. I realise how much I actually don't like <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, maybe you'll have a maybe you'll. Same as I'm kind of hoping at some point I might have a changed experience. Yeah. So you might so be one of, of the few people I don't now. want to listen to this, but I will. You'll be one of the few people in the world when, when, when I won't go as far as say the pet peeve of mine, but you know when you say to someone, oh, what music are you into? And they go, everything. Yeah. Are you really? No. Because now you can actually say like, oh, okay, I'm definitely not into something. Yeah, no, that's why I never say that. Yeah. yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, every, I think everyone says everything. And actually, yeah. I like when someone just goes, I love punk. Yeah. You go yeah. wicked, you know, yeah. and then you can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. And everything is just yeah, yeah. so generic, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. But also, I said, having gone, going through this, as I said, said at the start, I think that's the joy of this is going, there's so much stuff I haven't heard. Even stuff that's supposedly mm. really good. Legendary, yeah. That I've, like, like you say, legendary, really good. And I'll, I'll know of bands. Like I know they're, I know they're Rolling Stones, right? Not really. Mm. Um, 
I think we even said that about someone else, didn't they? Oh, I think I think I know this band, and then I'll listen to David Bowie. We were saying that. Wasn't uh, yeah. Oh, I think I know David Bowie, and then I listen to Lowe and go, I didn't know about this we at are, all. We are going to be music quiz <laughs> legends. <laughs> <laughs> Find us a good pub around. Right. If you, you want to join our quiz, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, guys, it's now yeah. the music quiz. Yeah, we here pen in hand. Yeah. We're gonna be. Oh, it might be the other way around, Miles. They might... we, we should. We actually we should, should do, do one. Yeah. <laughs> might be another way around, Miles. They yeah. might listen to us doing this and go, those guys know nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a question on Chuck Berry. Billy, where's Billy gone? <laughs> <laughs> Rolling Stones, I'd say I'm on, I'm on the fence. This was all right, but... Uh, yeah, it was an interesting uh, week. It was much more fun talking about those albums than it was listening to them. So, um, thanks. <laughs> It is time to choose our albums for the next show, which is going to be imminently decided by the random number generator, Mr. Billy Hills. We go. Give us a number. 324. Right, 324 then. Give us a good one. Number 324 is the only uh, album by this artist on the list, I think I'm right in saying. It is A Rush of Blood to the Head by Coldplay. Oh, shoot. Good album. Good album. Cool. I mean, one I'm very, very familiar with. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Like that one. (laughs) Don't don't mind listening to that one. What's the hits on that one? Scientist on that one? Yep. Uh, Amsterdam's a tune on that one as well. Um, Yeah, Amsterdam, right. Yeah, right at the end. Yeah, it's great tunes. I'll put a smile on your face. Uh, clocks, God put a smile on your face. Uh, where are the singles? Um, that's a great tune. That sixty-four, good number. Oh, good. So we've got. That's good. We keep getting. A, I can't wait for the week when we get two low, like two in the four hundreds. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> Mind you, you never know with this. Well, list. Nine, Inch Na- Nine Inch Nails was in like four hundred and something, wasn't it? So. Subjective and all that. <laughs> Sorry, you have to remember, I've forgotten already what the number was. Sixty-four, because I'm, I'm stupid. Uh, number sixty-four is Stankonia. By Outcast. Oh, yeah, wicked! I'm excited. I'm excited for this Outcast week. Outcast and Coldplay. Yeah, decent. wicked. That's a, that's great. That's not bad, is it? Outcast, that's my a, first ever single. Different. Is it? Nice watching. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Oh, no, it was an Outcast. That's what's on that. Uh, Miss Jackson's on that album. Decent. Yep. Cool. Oh, Miss Jackson on there. Yeah. Andre 3000, the goat. It's on. Sick. Yeah, <laughs> he's the goat. Uh, all right, so yeah, the, the different different um, response to our choices for the next time round, and kind of a oh, I'm more actually my looking forward tea. to this rather yeah. than oh man, this won't be a chore. We've jumped up here, haven't we? We've come to you know, boys. It's been a joy, it's been a again. pleasure, Martin. Cheers. See you next time, people. See you later. See ya.